This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Surviving Sister Wives contains adult content that may not be suitable for Latter-day Saints or sinners. Listener discretion is advised. Hello and welcome to Surviving Sister Wives, the podcast where a monogamous couple drink heavily while recapping Sister Wives on TLC. I'm Corey. And I'm Carly. And this is Season 15, Episode 2, Felons No More. Legalize it. Gotta do it. Now we're out the game. We're not in the system anymore. This is exhausting that we're still talking about the same topics that we were in the very beginning of this show. It's very strange, yeah, to kind of relive it all. Especially since we just spent most of this off-season already going through this content before. Seasons 1, 2, 3, and most of 4. Also, are they actually felons? No, I think that's just... I think that's like stolen valor <laughs> from actual felons. Cody likes to think of himself. I wouldn't classify them as hardened criminals. No? You don't think so? I don't think so. Robin doesn't look like she's ready to shank somebody at any moment. No, I wouldn't say so. I mean, she's got to get a neck tattoo or something at first, but... <laughs> well, they've got plenty of room. Gonna have to go through a couple needles to get that one done. All right, this was another amazing episode. Oh, top notch. Yeah, for season 15, kicking it off. Hats off to you, TLC. Bravo. <laughs> well, not bravo, TLC. <laughs> you want to hit us with that episode description? So based on the Discovery Plus app... The Browns visit their polygamist friends to discuss the sudden and exciting possibility that polygamy will be decriminalized in Utah. The car trip to get there is a mess, but once there, the excitement is palpable. Could the family relocate back to Utah? I like how the Dargers were like, please don't mention us in the episode description. After this trip, they didn't want to be associated with the episode anymore. Yeah, they saw how this was going to turn out and they were like, ah, never mind. And it's the Dargers, everybody, not the Duggers. This threw me for a loop at first. I was like, they're visiting who? <laughs> what? Not the Duggers. It's not a crossover episode. No, that would be interesting, though, wouldn't it? 
That'd be something. We almost had a uh, another kind of crossover in this episode. Thousand Pound Sister Wives. Oh, man. <laughs> Save that one for later. I have notes. I got worried. But in the meantime, yeah, let's go ahead and hear Carly's episode rewrite description. Cody starts planning a move to St. George. Christine drives through a construction site to prepare for a family road trip. Mary tries to wipe in peace. The Dargers sense the Browns are a little stressed. A little stressed, to say the least. And dear God, please let Mary wipe in peace. <laughs> They're like, wait, what are we here to talk about being decriminalized? Because I think the Browns could benefit from something else. <laughs> Take the edge off a little bit. Hashtag legalize it. All right. Before we get into this amazing recap, just a reminder that if you are here, you're enjoying the podcast, you're liking what you're hearing, leave us a review. Helps the podcast, and we like to read what you got to say. Also, don't forget, we live tweet the episodes every Sunday night at 10 o'clock Eastern on TLC. We'll be watching right along with the live broadcast there. So don't miss it. Follow us at surviving underscore pod. Gifts on gifts on gifts. Lots of gifts. We bring the gifts. All right. So we open at Mary's house and everyone is gathering here so Cody can talk to them about a trip to Utah. Yeah, I don't know why Cody keeps going full Borat when he's talking about this, too. He keeps talking about meeting with my wives. There have been a couple of instances of that. There was two this episode. That was how we opened this episode, was Cody's meeting with my wives. I appreciated that Mary has kept this couch set. This is the uh, the sushi restaurant lobby, as we like to refer to it, in really great condition. It's held up from all the moves just last season alone. Good Lord. And all the lack of people that come to her house to sit on it. I think that's where it evens out. Yeah, the amount of moves. I mean, you're, you're bound to get some dings, dents, and scrapes here and there. But as far as w normal wear and tear, she's miles under that. She also had a photo frame of her and Cody on the end table next to the couch. It was a photo from the Brown family photo sesh that took place at... Cody and Robin's wedding. So that was the Mary family photo. It's Mary, Cody, and Mariah. Do you think that she just like sets that out when they come over? Oh, Mary's staging. Yeah, she stages the house for when the yeah. family comes to visit. Staging the house for family visits. Gotta now. put the margarita glasses away. Exactly. The salt goes back in the cabinet. Clean up the wet bar. <laughs> dry it off. Put the photos out. Ready to go. And then here we are. Now we're going to talk about this upcoming trip to Utah. We're going to go see our old pals, the Darger family, very politically active, trying to decriminalize plural marriage in Utah. I'm surprised that they still want to see the Browns after this, because wasn't it their lawsuit against the state of Utah that kind of spun this out of control again? Um, it backfired a little bit. A little you bit. You say that. <laughs> so, uh, well, it's good that they're still friends with them. So, yeah, they're, they're going to have plenty to talk about here, I suppose. So at this point, we've only got Mary... And Cody and Robin, who have coincidentally arrived here together. I guess Cody was over at Robin's hmm. before they came to Mary's, I assume. That's out of the norm, isn't it? So if you're keeping count, you can keep that one going. And somebody is knocking on the door. And without a beat, without looking up from his phone, because of course he is staring at his phone intently as if Christine were here. He just invites whoever is knocking on the door to come into Mary's fucking house. Come on in. I assume it's somebody we know. I was insulted for Mary. You are a strong, independent woman. Eh. You are an independent woman who has no man. 
And now your ex-husband. <laughs> Essentially, yeah. Is inviting people into your home. I think it's odd. This is your house. You control the door. She's the one who knocks. You are a guest here, sir. <laughs> so Janelle comes in. She's recapping our quick lunch conversation that we had from last week. And it turns out that nobody, and I mean nobody, has followed up on that conversation at all. I guess we just pretty much said everything that needed to be said in that encounter, and we left it there. Well, you know, they did the same thing with the house. When the house presentation happened last season, no one talked about it for weeks. We're just going to go home and ignore it <laughs> like it never happened and just continue living my life. That's what I plan to do. They've got bigger fish to fry this episode because we're talking about the state laws in Utah. And Janelle reminds us of the days after they went public when the state started an investigation into the family. Y'all, we're going all the way back to season two. Because polygamy was a felony, and now we get a bunch of sepia tone flashbacks. So this was them going loud, going proud, going public, coming under investigation, afraid for their safety, afraid of being arrested, having the family broken up. So they decided to leave the state in the dark of night, and I guess, and then day, and then some <laughs> night again, and then maybe another day too. So basically under dark of nights, plural, or <laughs> just general dark of a weekend, I guess would be a good way to sum that up. So they sued the state, because what else do you do in this circumstance? And they ended up winning, at least for a period of time. For a year, polygamy was decriminalized in the state. And then their lawsuit was appealed and overturned. And the state then passed a new law, making it a third-degree felony. So you're welcome? <laughs> so don't don't poke the bear. <laughs> do not sue the state that you used to reside in. Get the win and then expect that to hold up because, yeah, they got it on appeals. This isn't their first rodeo. But now that law is being revised to exclude families like the Browns who choose to cohabitate for religious reasons. So that's why we are here today. Good stuff. Well, the other reason why we're here today is because we're trying to decide for this drive to Utah. Should we drive together? Should we drive separate? What's the plan? Let's figure it out. They decide that taking one car makes the most sense, but Christine is not here. Apparently, she's in Phoenix for quote-unquote work, whatever that is. So Cody says they need to give her a call first. Got to get her buy-in on the one car. We know she's not big on the one house. Is she big on the one car? We got a conference caller in, so we're looping her in. We got her on speakerphone. We're going to set that off to the side. And Cody's already starting with what seems like excuses, I guess, about how he needs to drive back that night for work. So this he's only trying to make this like a one-day trip. Which is why on the couch, Christine isn't even into the idea of the entire road trip. This is some spontaneous thing that Cody has planned all in his own head. It's all to have a conversation. Basically, this meeting could be an email. Essentially, that's what's going on here. Yeah, and, and Cody is just overcomplicating everything. This is just yet another thing on the list that he is taking to an extreme level that it does not need to be. Let me disrupt everybody's plans for the weekend because I want to go have a conversation and have it filmed. Is this when Cody points out he wants to see the Darger family in person, eye to eye. None of this bullshit video conferencing stuff. <laughs> because who the hell does that? That made me laugh so much. <laughs> you don't know yet, Cody, but it's coming. Well, it's good that they did get this out of their system. They got this out of the way. Get all of your in-person meetings that you can now because there's going to be plenty of video conferencing this entire season, I'm sure. It's only a matter of time at this point. 
Now, Robin recaps her season three stance on this whole law and how it actually makes it harder for plural families experiencing abuse to seek help. I did like that she stood up to Cody and said, you know, these things really happen, Cody. Not every family is like ours. Can't just sweep it under the rug. So there is a need for some type of law to be in place. They're in agreement with that, but they're ready to be able to go back to Utah, potentially, or at least Cody is. They do all agree that some legislation should be in place here. And the other thing that they all agree upon, at least initially, was that thank God we didn't move to St. George, Utah. Otherwise, we'd be caught right in the middle of all this mess, this back and forth. We are felons. We aren't felons. What are we? (laughs) Well, flashback to Cody's easel presentation in Vegas, where he is selling everyone on the move. Was that Cody or was that Sammy Hagar? I thought they paid him a day rate. He came out to do a private show, just do a couple of slides. Oh, my God. I did not. Y'all, you don't realize season after season, the hair evolution that has occurred here. But it was so much worse at one point. It's hard to to remember. Yeah, it's strange to, to think of this season as an upswing for him. <laughs> but I mean, in comparison. Because every iteration of his hair has been bad in a new way. Just different. Just different bad. This is when Cody's going into great detail here. It's so great that we didn't move there. But wouldn't it be cool, though, if we could go back and it's like paying a parking ticket instead of being a felony? Wouldn't that be cool, though? Just like in theory. Not that we would move back, but like if we did move back and we could just pay a ticket, wouldn't that be awesome? The reactions to this? Priceless. There are looks of confusion. Some of the wives literally have open mouth stares. Everybody's got flipping whiplash because we just went from, isn't it great that we didn't move there to, but like, what if we did move there? But it would be cool to have that as an option if you only need to pay a ticket and it wasn't a felony. That'd be nice to have that as a choice. <laughs> and then the camera gets this shot of Cody's phone propped up on the coffee table and Christina's still on FaceTime, which I did not realize. Yeah, we forgot that she was on the phone because she had to mute really quick because she's actually really excited. She had to hide her joy at this proposition of moving back to Utah. Apparently, this is something that Christina is all for and she is sitting on it because if this actually gets passed into law, she plans on bringing it up to the family that she would want to move back to Utah because she doesn't think that Flagstaff has been great for them and it doesn't feel like it's home. Cut to Janelle, who says she's flourishing here. So you know what, guys? Just sign the deed to Coyote Pass over to me and I'll stay here on the land. And I'll be happy. For all the land, all the houses that we've bought. Why not? Just sign them over to me. I'll take care of it. I'll visit. Sometimes. Maybe. Because then I love that this is when Cody reminds his wives, no, 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 no. I'm not seriously proposing a move to St. George. Just so we're all clear. We're on the same page, okay? But then he confesses in his solo interview that they weren't able to move back to St. George. And that was one of his biggest regrets in life. (laughs) What? What? You what? He it's, totally is thinking you, about it. You absolutely are planning this and plotting this, sir. You know what the problem is? The problem is that Robin hasn't said she wants to move to St. George. He's waiting for approval. If we get her buy-in, we'll all be loading those U-Hauls back up. So it's a good thing she hasn't at this point for our sake. Just got to wait till Dayton graduates. I just, I don't want to see any more moves right now, please. Now, Cody decides that the heel he's going to die on this episode is that they need to take one car to Utah. Very important. And this is very important because Cody hates it when they travel separately because it makes it look 
like they can't stand being around each other. When in actuality, they just can't stand being around each other. (laughs) Which, okay, but then also sometimes you have to take multiple cars out of convenience or having enough room. But right away, he's going right to, we hate each other, and that's why we don't want to take one car. I know that's the reason that you all just want to go in your separate cars with your autonomous vehicles. Honestly, though, can we say, can I call him out on this one? This is absolutely an ego move from Cody. Oh, 100%. He does not want to pull up to another polygamist family's house who all lives in one single house. He cannot pull up to that house in multiple vehicles with his wives because he'll look really bad. (laughs) That's what this is about. A thousand percent. He has to make it appear. They all hate each other, clearly, and he's very vocal about that. But we are going to go pretend that we don't hate each other for this one day trip. So we really need the one car to sell that. Well, I think plenty of other stuff's going to let the cat out of the bag. (laughs) Yeah. I think just in general conversation and just being around you, the mood, the tone, the atmosphere... (laughs) I think that's going to give it away. But everyone's also got the intervention at Olive Garden in the back of their head. So maybe this is a good way to spend more time together. We were just talking about that, even though I'm not going to bring it up and reference that because I don't want to get pulled into that conversation again. I don't want anyone to know that I remember what happened. No. Mary's like, I I don't recall that conversation. I don't recall having ever eaten at an Olive Garden. I've never had breadsticks or bottomless soup and salad. Did you, y'all, did you see Mary's Instagram live? (laughs) Yeah, that was good. Friday night. She has no recommendations on restaurants and Flagstaff. Except Red Robin. Except Red Robin, where she goes to lament about Sob and Robin. I feel like, yeah, she just goes to Red Robin and then she just berates the staff there. Sob and Red Robins. Anyway. (laughs) She's like, bring me more fries, bitch. And a margarita while you're at it. This is terrible and just throws it on the floor. (laughs) Clean it up, bitch. And then Mary closes us out in this segment by saying, if you don't spend time together, relationships fizzle out. She knows from experience. (laughs) Oh, Mary is speaking her truth and living her why. (laughs) Okay. This is where this episode really pops off. Oh, get ready for this. Yeah, because we are trying to get this road trip underway. And we are, at this point, only about 10 minutes behind schedule, which is a goddamn miracle for the Brown family. So Cody and Robin pull up to Christine's house because, of course, Cody was at Robin's again. Literally every scene this season. If you're keeping count, yeah. Tack another one on. And we're about to lose some time here while Cody tries to fit his, like, three Louis Vuitton trunks into the back of Christine's infinity. Heavens to Murgatroyd. (laughs) Which, if you were confused by that exclamation that Cody (laughs) shared with us, At first, I was like, is this someone from the Book of Mormon? (laughs) So I did have to investigate in my ignorance. Nope, turns out it was just Snagglepuss from Yogi Bear. (laughs) Thank God we cleared that up. Uh, Heavens to (laughs) Muggatroyd. So get used to hearing that, I guess. I don't know. He's bringing shoes for all occasions. He got running shoes. He's got walking shoes. He's got interview shoes. He's got sandals he's got Birkenstocks he's got lots of shoes this is a one-day trip I thought we I thought he had to be back that night for another work thing how many how long are we staying here for what are we doing it's just like a whole bag of hair care product 
what it comes down to is the luggage is not going to fit. So Christine is now ribbing him because obviously we need to take two cars now just because based on luggage, we still have to go pick up Mary. We have to pick up Janelle. No way this is all going to fit, dude. We can't all fit in this car. Cody does not give a fuck. He does not care if shoes are knocking wives in the head as they turn corners. He doesn't care if somebody's being suffocated by a duffel bag. We are all going in this one car. Christine knew she wasn't going to get anywhere with that either. She was just pushing his buttons. You could tell she's just laughing to herself standing in the driveway. I know. As soon as she said it, she started to giggle. Bugging the shit out of him. (laughs) It's so good. She might not have wanted to make those jokes because reality comes at them quick. When they pull out of the driveway and right away, the tire pressure alert goes off. Cody's like, check tire pressure. And he has like a Vietnam flashback to season two, episode 10 of their flea high move. Flat after flat after flat after flat. Check tire tire pressure. What is everything okay? And Christine's like, oh, don't worry about it. It's a cold morning. It happens all the time. Meanwhile, bitch definitely swerved to run a nail over earlier. There was no swerving necessary. She laid a spike strip down (laughs) before they backed out of this driveway. There was a police chase and Christine got in the way of it. She's looking for that slow leak. (laughs) That's what she's going for here. So the control burn. Because, yeah, they zip over to Mary's and they hop out of the car. And basically, two seconds after getting out of the car, Cody's like, yep, there's air hissing out of the back tire. We have a flat tire. (laughs) You could hear the hissing sound through the television. Amazing. (laughs) (laughs) So the whole scene, the rest of the scene here and the conversation in the driveway, figuring out what's going on. It's all hissing. Christine can't believe him, though. We do not have a flat tire. We just drove over here. My car cannot have a flat tire. I just drove this all the way to Phoenix yesterday. How? This family should be the experts on flat tires at this point and experiencing them and knowing that they're experiencing them. Robin was in the car, so I blame her. (laughs) She kills the family vehicles. Well, this is just going to be a quick fix, according to Cody. They're just going to roll up to the dealership. They're going to get a new tire, 20 minutes flat. They'll be out of there. This is where Christine's jokes come back to haunt her because she was making a joke about suggesting taking two cars because of the amount of luggage. Now she is legitimately offering that they take two cars because they do have to take this vehicle to get the tire repaired. But then how are we going to, are you going to come back and pick us up? What are we doing now? Because the plan has completely changed. She's just trying to help with logistics. And right away, Cody is jumping to, she just doesn't want to drive together. She wants to drive in her own car. So she has already burned that bridge with the jokes that she made in her driveway. So now any suggestion that she gives in Mary's driveway is met with immediate resistance from Cody. Until Robin agrees with one of her suggestions. That's what we were waiting for. We just needed that manager approval. Now, Mary, who is completely innocent in all of this, is about to bear the brunt of Cody's flat tire rage. Because Cody has to run inside because basically now we've decided, yes, we have to grab Mary, throw her in this car, go pick up Janelle, then go to the dealership and just we'll we'll all ride over in the car together on the flat (laughs) and fix this together. He barges into her house. Her bags are at the door. She is so ready to go. And he can't find her. So he is cupping his hands around his face. He is yelling like he is out in a field somewhere. And there is no response. It's just echoing around that big cathedral ceiling living room. Mary, Mary. Apparently, Mary had the fucking nerve to try to take a quick bathroom break before she got in the car for an eight hour road trip. She didn't know. 
the storm that was arriving at her door. Because like you said, yeah, she had her bags all packed. They were sitting right there by the door, which I think is a regular thing for her now. But it also just happens to work out really well because she was going on this road trip. So she could have just grabbed them, hopped in the car, ready to go. She's just trying to take a quick pre-trip tinkle. That's all. So she finishes up in there and Cody's telling her they have a flat. They got to go. They got out of here ASAP. He's trying to rush her out the door. And she suggests, you know, maybe we should just take my car because it's just as big as Christine's. But Cody's concerned about having a car that has enough power. Cody takes the time to explain that he needs a vehicle, a car with the power to get all these big people up the mountain. And I'm sorry, are you referring to all four of your wives and yourself (laughs) as morbidly obese people? It's not thousand pound sister wives. We don't need a crane and a forklift to get anybody into the car. I think we'll be okay. You're not driving to Dr. Now's office. We don't have to get weighed at the junkyard on the way. He thinks that the vehicle's going to like roll backwards down the mountain. <laughs> it's like, that's what the, that's what the emergency brakes for, man. You'll be all right. So now he's yelling, let's go, let's go, let's go. And Mary's like, what the fuck? I've been ready for an hour. <laughs> Where are you coming at me from? Yeah, on this way. And Cody's pissed because he thinks that they're all trying to let the tire go flat. Of course, everybody's against him. He's blaming the bureaucracy of plural marriage. For allowing his tire to go flat. That's the conspiracy here. Here's a quick lesson. You should not be driving on that tire at all. As soon as you hear it hissing, it's losing air. It's not fit to drive on. You know what it was? He did not want to take every single piece of luggage out of the back of that car to get to the spare. Because I'm sure the spare was underneath like the back of the truck. Oh, it's buried now. Oh, it's in there. And you're going to have to dig that out? I don't think so. And the other thing too, Mary suggesting taking her car. That would be a very logical step. It's the same size as Christine's. I can't say what type of car Mary has, though, but maybe it's not as impressive as Christine's brand new vehicle that they're trying to roll up in. He is very committed to taking this expensive vehicle. Feel the need to point that out. Again, it's we can't roll up in multiple vehicles to our polygamous friend's house because that'll be a sign that something's wrong with our family. We also need to roll up in a nice $75,000 vehicle. A that luxury shows, SUV. That shows clearly we're doing fine. We're doing great. Mary has barely gotten in the car and she's like, I really wish I'd just flown. <laughs> Why did I let them talk me into a road trip? Yeah, she's definitely taking the brunt of this for sure, of the frustration that's happening now. So much has already happened that I forgot we still had to pick Janelle up. Yeah, because we're just adding stops here along the way. And she is already out at the end of the driveway just waiting for them. She's got all her bags in her hands. She's ready to go. Janelle, VIP. Two weeks in a row. (laughs) Season 15, she's still the VIP. Because they zip over to Janelle's to pick her up, not even slowing down. They just want her to jump into the car, just tuck and roll, come out and just grab onto the the luggage rack on top, and we'll drag you along. (laughs) Got to keep moving. Can't stop the car. Can't stop the car. We got to go fix this tire. Might want to get a running start. <laughs> yeah, because then that's what killed me. I was like, oh, my God, she's standing at the end of the driveway. She must have they must have called her or texted her or something. No, they roll up into her driveway. She does not know the flat tire situation. I'm sorry. It had to have taken at least 15, 20 minutes to drive from Mary's house to Janelle's. 
could somebody pull out their phone and call Janelle and give her a heads up on this scenario? I guess not. And Cody is such an asshole to her. She doesn't know what's happening. She's just being thrown into all this, just like Mary was. And he's tossing her luggage into the back and rambling about how, don't worry, it's all going to work out fine if you don't micromanage me. Just get in the car. But again, if she didn't get a phone call or a text, she literally planned her morning routine was just, I'm going to stand at the end of the driveway with my bags until they show up and I can get in the car. That was it. That was what she was planning to do originally, not even in this emergency situation. <laughs> that was her baseline plan. So Janelle, VIP. She knew it was going to be a drive-by. Definitely going to be a drive-by pickup. MVP. Now, Cody's attempting to close the lift gate without using the button on this fancy-ass car. Okay, to be fair, this fucks me up, too. Especially <laughs> on newer vin- minivans. I grew up with an old Dodge Caravan that was like 20 years older than me. And that thing, you had to, you had to drag that door open. Slam it shut and make sure you didn't catch your fingers in there. He is like really shoving the door, though. You have to know, like, you are working against the door at this point. There's an automatic process that takes place now, yeah, with the lift gates. You just push the button, it'll do it. Christine's yelling, please don't break my car, but we're already going to the dealership, so why not fuck something else up? Car's already broken. (laughs) They're going to take a look at it anyway. Just let all the luggage roll out the back on the way to the dealer. It's fine. Get in the car. Then in his talking head, Cody says, great, this is going to be fun traveling with a bunch of bossy women. Mind you, no one is bossing him around. No. At this point. People have thrown out suggestions to try to counter his lunacy. And he's being an idiot and he's making terrible decisions because Janelle's initial suggestion too is like, oh, if it has a flat tire, why didn't you fix that first before you came and got me? (laughs) Or like, I could have maybe gotten dropped off and like met you guys over there. You know, like, why did you still come here? No time to no time to explain it. Get in the car. We're going. So they're on their way to the tire shop and they're making jokes about how maybe they should just call Nancy, the old family therapist from back in Vegas. Maybe she could just come for a ride. Mary's offering her lap as a seat. They can make it happen. There's room. <laughs> that would have been a really interesting episode. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Meanwhile, we make it to the tire store. We kind of limp our way there. So we get this tire off, and they're, they're going to fix it up here in the shop. Robin is pushing a minivan agenda on Cody at this time, but Cody just doesn't think they're cool. He's not into the idea of the minivan. I wonder why. Why am I going to take your little minivan when I can take this luxury SUV? 
again, it comes down to the image. It's that decision behind the decision. We got to take one car. So everyone's got to fit in the car. And then it's got to be the most expensive one that we have. Minivan, not as good. Doesn't meet the criteria. No. So this one, Christine comes out. Turns out this tire is fucked. (laughs) You could tell because she flew out of that tire shop like a bat out of hell. I could tell on the look on her face. I was like, this is going to be bad news. And also because you shouldn't drive around on a fucking flat tire. You're going to ruin it because you can't just drive around on a flat tire and then take it to the shop and then have them fix the tire. If you had put the donut on and not driven it around on a flat, yeah, they might have been able to patch it, fill it back up with air, throw it back on there. You'd be fine. But when you drive around on a flat, you bend the rims. It is now unrepairable at this point. Or whatever damage, whatever hole that was there, it's too big to patch. Whatever's going on with this tire, it's done. And turns out they don't have another tire in the right size. Shocker. (laughs) So this is not a 20-minute fix. Surprise, surprise. And now we've got all five adults stranded at the tire shop. Stranded at the tire shop. (laughs) But don't worry, we've got a backup plan because Cody has had a sudden change of heart. And now he's all in on Robin's minivan. May be noted that Christine did throw out the suggestion about 45 minutes ago when they were standing in her driveway when she raised the concern about the luggage fitting. Why don't we take a vehicle that will actually all fit? Cody wasn't here for that. Yeah. How infuriating is it that they actually had a car that was larger? That would have solved all the problems that they've had today and experienced already. Yeah. What a what a novel idea. But you know what? Maybe the two car thing. OK, Cody's not on board. Maybe we didn't need to do this trip at all. Just throwing it out there again. Maybe we could have just called Joe. Maybe we do that now. Yeah, Christine is on thin ice now. She is pushing the limit because she has run out of irritant on the two-car idea since we're going with the minivan thing now. So now she's basically saying, we don't really need to go and do this in person. Let's go ahead and strike that. Honestly, if this is the way one of my road trips had started, I'd be like, fuck it. We're just going to tell them we're not coming. I'd be like, sorry, man. We ran into a lot of issues. Cody is still pissed about this when they film his confessional because he says, you know, being in person with someone is much different than being on the phone. So maybe next time Christine wants me to come over, I'll just call her instead. No, he probably won't anyway. He probably (laughs) won't call either. So don't make promises you can't keep, Cody. And now magically they're all in Robin's van. Somehow production must have taken care of that because we did not address the fact that we now have five adults who are Stuck at a tire shop without any other vehicle to transport them back to Robin's house to get the car. Again, Cody's genius plan playing out here. And this thing looked so much bigger. There's so much room. So much better. So comfortable. You don't have to squeeze three wives in the back seat. Oh no, we'll see if it has enough horsepower to get up the mountain. Yeah, we might need to have Vin Diesel throw in some NOS in the back there so we can jet up to the top. Turns out they managed to make it there in the van. And the van made it there in one piece. <laughs> It was apparently an uneventful ride because we did not get to see any of the footage, but Janelle claims they had lots of great conversations. Great conversations all along the way. I guess they had Christine's car loaded up with the GoPros, and then they didn't get to switch those out into the minivan. So maybe this was all strategically played by the Brown family so they couldn't film these conversations or just the eight hours of silence to Utah. Now we get to meet the Darger family. I almost called them the fucking Duggars. It's too close. We have Joe. He is married to three wives. You've got Alina. We've got Vicky. They were the original wives. And then 
We got wife number three, Valerie. She came around some years later after she got divorced and married Joe. We got a little family connection here because Vicky and Val are sisters. Sisters and sister wives. Christine has to stress that this is totally normal in their community, having friends who want to marry friends' husbands and sisters who would like to marry sisters' husbands. Totally normal, totally acceptable. Don't judge them. Janelle backs that up because we know. She has no issues marrying siblings. Uh, Janelle is just as cool with this as you would expect. Yeah. (laughs) Don't knock it till you try it. So the Darkers have nine kids who are still living at home with them, the youngest of which is six. And they have a bomb ass house. This house is dope. Explain to me. Everything in this house looks expensive. It doesn't look like children are here. Top notch. Fancy. Well, I mean, a six year old kid. That's different. They're basically a human at that point. Here come the one-star reviews. <laughs> well, I'm just saying, like, you know, having a toddler running around, smashing into stuff, they don't really understand spatial reasoning, understand what's going on, social interaction. This chair's from Crate and Barrel. Stay away from it. <laughs> yeah, don't don't smear chocolate sauce on the wall. <laughs> just those types of social boundaries. Mm, right? Remember the white walls in Cody's house? A lot of white walls. Robin was concerned. I can't have another baby here. Speaking of, Cody jokes with Joe, asking if it's time for them to grow up and stop having kids because he's considering maybe they should have one more. Then we get a shot of Robin giggling and twisting and turning and twirling her hair, thinking that she still got that 30-year-old uterus that she had back in season one. Yeah, there's a couple more miles on that thing now. But then we get whiplash because in her talking head, Robin claims that she doesn't enjoy this type of conversation. Because it's obvious they're talking about her reproduction because the other wives are done having kids at this point. It's not about you, Robin. We're talking about wife number five. (laughs) And that's something that Vicky and Joe are challenged with over on their family side as well because their six-year-old's making jokes about how she's going to find them another wife so that she can have a sibling, get a little Mary on her hands. So this, yeah, this is where Joe was like, hey, have your kids start suggesting new mommies to you. That's a good way to do it. And Mary is just getting more and more distraught because first we had the baby conversation. She's clearly distressed from that. And now they're trying to outsource her only job that's left in the family of finding (laughs) wives. Give her a break. Turns out, though, they're enjoying this time with another polygamous family. And in fact, Mary wishes that Cody had exposure to more polygamous friends And thinks that's something that they've really been missing in their lives for a long time. Which is, I guess, why she thinks Cody has fucked this up so badly. That's the subtext. I mean, she's not wrong, necessarily. But, I mean, she wasn't really a great example shining beacon here over the past few years either, necessarily. I think she'd blame a lot of that on him. They've all been living in the monogamous world too long. That's what it is. Things are getting a little awkward because the Darkers, they live in one house and they share a kitchen which has always been a source of tension in the Brown family. And they start talking about how they want to build their dream home because apparently this beautiful house is not their dream home yet. And what does that involve? Of course, we have individual apartments for each wife. And then Joe wants his own bedroom, which gets a high five from Cody. Or fist bump, something on that line. Either way, Cody's jealous. And he wants that too now. So he's going to have to rewrite. Well, no, I guess he it's just Robin's apartment. That's where... To say that is his own room, he spends 90% of his time at Robin's house. He has his own room, he has his own closet. He's not going to three different closets 
to find all his stuff all the time? You're not living that life anymore. That was years ago. That's not what's going on. Robin's got thoughts, though, because she thinks if I've got to share my man with these other women and I got all this jealousy and things that I have to go through, he can suck it up and share a closet. My sister wife's closet, specifically. (laughs) He'll survive. I could see the need for like a closet, but I don't think that you need a whole room, a whole room necessarily. Yeah. Unless you're in the doghouse. Like, why couldn't it be an office with a closet? Let's maybe stop calling it a bedroom. I think he wants to sleep alone. Well, because, yeah, that was even strange, too, from the Biggie Housey talk when he's showing the plans. And then he's also thrown out his retreat cabin in the woods that he's going to do, too. That's just like his alone time. And it's like, what are you talking? What? You're doing what? You know, the property that Cody and Robin bought for $900,000, which I'm always going to mention how much it was because I am petty. It has a guest house. So Cody's living the dream. There you go. His own private estate at Versailles. Suddenly, Cody has come to the realization that the biggest problem they have, aside from everything they discussed at the intervention, is that they don't have other polygamists to fellowship with. Something you probably should have considered before you decided to move somewhere again. This is where the Browns are separating further and further away. They're struggling apart. They're not struggling together anymore because at least their struggles would bond them when they were one big family because they basically aren't anymore. And I'm loving Christine's attitude this season because she makes a joke here that maybe we could benefit from being around other polygamists. It's almost like we should move back. Like it's destiny. The conversation of building on Coyote Pass comes up because why wouldn't it? And Cody takes the opportunity to brag about his genius home design. Let me tell you, I don't know shit about home design, but I designed this home myself and it was genius. You should see it. I got the plans. Oh, wait, no, those are in Christine's car. Damn it. And then switch it over into the minivan. Damn. <laughs> Do you remember when we analyzed those last season? <laughs> Jeez. It didn't make any sense. There were missing staircases. There were doors to nowhere. <laughs> it was like a Sims house where you ran out of money halfway through. <laughs> I think that was how I summarized it. It was far from complete. This was a half-baked idea. <laughs> and now they're chatting about the dogma of needing to live together. That Cody now thinks that this is just a religious idea, uh, a norm that's been established that isn't really a requirement for your plural family to function. I don't know how Christine got him to that point, but it's something he agrees with now, or so he says. Well, because Christine was taught her whole life growing up that if she's going to live plural marriage, you need to live in one home, but her parents didn't even do that. So her example of polygamy was separate homes, and it still functioned. It still worked until her grandpa got arrested or whatever and sent away. This whole story, the whole situation is really annoying and uncomfortable because Cody is clearly putting on a show for the Darkers. When he leaned over and squeezed Christine in a little hug there and admitted that it's their little struggle that they have, and it was like, uh, wow. It's more than that, I would say. That's kind of glossing over it she corrected him <laughs> it's more than a little struggle more than a little struggle it, yeah he like physically pulled her over to like act like he was giving her a hug it was weird and christine shares that this is still a conversation she and cody have not hashed out they have not had a logical conversation about the big house still this is like a year later and he's clearly been taking out on her the fact that he's pissed about it That's how this whole thing started. Maybe they should have brought it up at Olive Garden (laughs) during the intervention. 
last episode, well, last he, week. He uh, was ready to talk about the Biggie Housie at one point. Well, Janelle was ready to point to that as a solution to some of their problems, but it was like, no, 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 but that's not what we're talking about, because Christine would have picked up and left. Well, the Darkers seem to agree with Janelle, because the Darkers say that one house has more pros than cons, and that spending so much time together actually has created compassion between their sister wives. And they actually wonder how much time they'd actually get together if they lived separately. It was interesting to see them point out, too, living together means that you have to deal with this everyday stuff. You can't just ignore these little annoyances and go about your daily life. You have to address things. You have to face things. So this was all things that the Browns learned and came to realize last week at the family intervention at Olive Garden. But they're still not addressing this. They're still not dealing with this. Robin complains in her talking head that she feels like she's a stepmom and it's a real source of sadness for her. I believe the phrase she used was, it pricks her heart. And Janelle points out an example of how her kids interact differently with different moms. For example, they'll go over to Christine's house and they'll just open the fridge, but they don't feel comfortable to do that at Robin's house because they've never lived with her. They did live with Christine, so they have kind of had that experience of just walking into her kitchen and raid in the fridge. But honestly, if we're talking about this here, where Robin's saying she's so upset that she doesn't have this level, this connection with the kids. And it's like, okay, well, what are you doing to make your home an environment where those kids are comfortable to come over and do that? I don't understand how they spent years in the cul-de-sac and she was not able to foster that type of relationship. I mean, some of that's on you. You're the adult. Do you just have really bad food <laughs> in your fridge and the kids don't want it? Like, do teenagers not want to maybe get some food that would interest the teenagers too that or not even teenagers like anybody in the family and just have some stuff on hand maybe i don't know but what about mary well nobody goes to mary's so we don't have to worry about that we're still talking about this stupid big house and robin who didn't make any decision at the time if we go back to last season she never said if she was for or against it we didn't get anything solid out of her but now she's telling joe She's trying to make peace with the decision that was made, which I feel like is a very convenient answer. Yeah, it's kind of implying that you didn't have a hand in the decision and you're just dealing with the fallout. That's exactly what it is, because she wants Cody to be mad at Christine. And this is also very interesting as well as far as playing this out, because this is just a case where Robin just agrees with whatever majority is in the room. So for this discussion, for this topic at hand... One house is good. So she's saying, yeah, I wish we could have one house, but we've already decided against it. So I'm just kind of dealing with the way things are and moving on with that. But I'm a victim in all of it, too, because I'm never going to get to experience that closeness. I'm never going to have that one family, one home experience that everybody else got to have. Meanwhile, all of last season, at every single discussion, she did not voice any of this. She did not make that known because it seemed like most of the wives were not on board with one big house. So she had to fit with the majority during those conversations and agree that maybe it isn't a great fit for them. They can still do this successfully in separate houses. Why not? She's sneaky. I see you. I see you, Robin. Now Cody gets emotional because how could we talk about this topic without him making it about him a little more? And he says he feels like he's done a poor job with his family because they don't even want to live in one house together. And that's a reflection on him. Some fragile masculinity right there. <laughs> Joe tries to convince him, no, that's not it. 
Uh, but then outside, Joe tells the camera that it seems like losing the community that they used to have has really impacted the Brown family. Yeah, I'd say that's pretty accurate. And it kept throwing me off, too, because when they cut to Joe outside on the porch, he had shaved his beard off. So at the table, he, oh, had, I didn't a, even notice that. he had a big old beard. And then he cut to him out on the porch and he's clean shaven. Kept throwing me off. I was like, was this after? I guess. It had to have been. The Browns left. He took some time to think. He shaved. And then they came back out and did their exit interview where they completely read them. Yeah. Something's <laughs> off with this bunch. Now, Cody's debating, what should I do? Do I just get over the big house? Do I forgive the whole situation? Do I say, so what? We're not going to live together. I don't know. Seems like you're going to have to, man. This is the point where the wives start losing their filters because they're moving the conversation here over to the living room. And Cody's joking about being a puppet with four strings where each wife has a string. And Christine's like, are you sure it's only four strings? I think you have like 25 strings. Now Mary's getting shitty too. She's like, I don't ever ask you to do anything. So you better minus one string off of whatever that total string amount is. Robin's realizing that she better intervene quickly before this escalates. So she literally throws her body between Cody and Mary so they cannot see each other anymore. She's going about this uh, like you would normally handle with a toddler, a two-year-old. Uh, she's taking the peekaboo method here. <laughs> where she's trying to break eye contact between the two subjects and make it seem like they no longer exist now because you can't see them. This is the point where if you actually start closely watching the Dargers, some of them are starting to look a little put off. The concerns are real. These are not the same people that we hung out with 10 years ago, and I don't know who I invited into my living room today. But we're finally going to address the topic they came here to talk about. We're here to talk about the bill that was just signed into law by the Senate in Utah. And Christine points out, isn't this funny? We're all felons together here in this room. Just sitting here with fellow felons <laughs> talking about laws. This was such a small part of the episode that, yeah, this could have been a Zoom call. Yeah, if this is what Cody really wanted this face-to-face -to, -face to be about, we probably could have called him. It seemed like it was more for him to reinforce the idea that the big house was important. That Yeah, I mean, I get that. Having some FaceTime there, you need to kind of recharge those batteries there. You haven't actually been around other polygamists in a while, so I guess I kind of get it. But I mean, as far as the actual content that we got out of this conversation, the facade is breaking at this point with the Browns. They are no longer able to play nice and pretend that everything's fine. We're sick of holding stuff back after lunch now, and it's going to start coming out. Joe explains that right now it's a felony for you to live polygamy. And that you could go to jail for three to five years for every count you get. But the change is that it would now become less than a misdemeanor to essentially commit the same crime. And it would be comparable to getting a parking ticket and having to pay a fine or having to do community service for having committed something against this bill or this law. So then running through the kind of timeline or the process here where it is, it's passed in the Senate, but it still needs to go through the House and then it has to go to the governor. So we still we have one part of the process completed, but it's not over and done with at this point. So nobody's really holding their breath. Right. The, the long story short here is that it may or may not happen still. It's still up in the air. Prematurely celebrating this at this point. And I tried to figure out the timing on this. It seems like we are in February of 2020 at this point. So cross your fingers. Hopefully, yeah, quarantine is upon us soon. And then we hear some more stories about 
polygamy and people being arrested and things that we've heard for so many seasons at this point that it wasn't interesting to listen to. We hear the story rehashed again about what happened to Christine's grandfather and how he tried to live in the open, but in the end that kind of backfired on him. And this is basically where the darkers are like, okay, good talk. Uh, Nice seeing you. Please leave now. You guys have to be back, don't you? Oh boy, look at the time. I think you should probably hit the road. You don't know how many flats you may get. You you might want to leave a little early. Yeah, here's the uh, air pressure gauge for your tires. I want to just do a quick, quick walk around before you take off here. They claim that it was nice to see the family and they wish they could spend more time with them. But they could tell that they're stressed. They're not really sure why, but things seem a little off. Apparently they haven't been watching for a couple of seasons. And we close out here with some original thoughts from Robin about how as a family, they've lost sight of the fact that they made these big sacrifices to be together as a family. They fled from Utah. They went to Vegas to be together. And now they've all got to get onto Coyote Pass together and work on their relationships. We have to get out there to pretend to be that big, happy family that we always present ourselves to be. Next episode. We got some visitors in town and they've got some exciting news to share with the family. Mariah and Audrey. Robin tries to play the peacemaker between Cody and Mary after we see them have another fight on Coyote Pass. Where again, she's going the toddler route, forcing them to hold hands. Seeing a pattern here. But Cody pushes back and doesn't really seem all that interested in fixing things with Mary. Shocker. Again. Thank you for listening. If you want to support us, the best way to do that is by subscribing to the podcast and leaving a review on Apple Podcast. If you're looking for more content, check us out on Patreon at patreon.com slash surviving pod. Stay tuned. Share with friends. See you next week. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.